0: the following sermon is brought to you by new covenant community church a bible-based church located on route 62 east of johnstown ohio to learn about new covenant community church visit www.new-covenant.org again that is new-covenant.org now enjoy the message we're going to be uh in the first chapter of philippians this morning in our uh, message and and i've been doing a lot of studying in the book of philippians lately it seems like we're living in a in a world where it's just a mess isn't it uh you know it's uh, things are going on uh, you know i i was in the sunday school class this morning and and uh, just uh, how much the influence of what the world's doing today the impact it's having upon uh the lives of christians and upon our churches today and uh you know it, it's easy to to become perplexed it's it's easy to get discouraged and if like I say if you really want to get discouraged just watch the news every day and you'll uh, you'll have a good dose of, of all that that can bring all of that uh say and as we study in the book of philippians of course paul was writing this letter back to the church of philippi uh after they had uh, sent uh, a man by the name of papaditus Uh, to them to, uh, to come to Paul who was in the, uh, prison at Rome at the time facing, uh, certainty of, of eventually where he would be beheaded and where he would lose his life in the church, uh, there in, uh, Rome or in the prison in Rome. He wasn't in the church in Rome. He was killed, but in the, in the prison. And, um, you know uh, if we look at uh, the life of paul they they were sending to uh, to paul because uh, i believe they kind of felt sorry for him a little bit and they was participating in in sending an offering to paul but but they was concerned because paul had been locked up in the, in in that prison and uh, and i'm sure paul uh, and later in the book of philippians in chapter 4 he talks about the offering and 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 how much of a blessing that was to him and and how he thanked them for that but uh, I believe he wanted them to understand that what they needed uh, was they needed to have joy and an experience a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I see a lot of Christians today that, that are not really experiencing joy. Uh, we look at all the things and, and that are going on about us and the circumstances that we're faced with, and, and, and sometimes it's not, it's not very encouraging, it's not very bright, but certainly, uh, Paul wanted the Philippians to know, and I believe it's a good lesson for us to, to understand that, that we need to be people that have joy. And I'm not talking about just being happy, you know, you can be happy and smile and, and, and get along with things, but, but experiencing the real joy that, that's in our hearts and lives that is, is a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh if we looked at uh, the the circumstances of Paul uh just about everything about his life was was a struggle wasn't it He you know uh in in his missionary journeys of course his conversion he uh you know was was a Jew who was zealous and in, in, in persecuting the church and putting Christians in prison and even uh consult, consented with the death of Stephen and so Paul had, uh, had started out that way as a zealot, as a, 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 as a Pharisee, and, and was very strict in the, in his observance of stuff. But, uh, you know, he came to Christ, and, and, and from the outset, he had to kind of hide, didn't he? They had to let him down out of the, uh, out of the, over a wall in a basket to, to escape, uh, because the, the, he wasn't accepted then by the Jews. And so he was constantly in, uh, I believe this kind of, of turmoil. When he went to start the church uh, in, Philippi, in Philippi on his second missionary journey, the, the Apostle Paul went there, and this wasn't his intention. He didn't even intend to go to Philippi. They were going uh, back to report to the churches they'd established on the first missionary journey, and as they was going through, uh, they was going to go on into Asia Minor, and uh, the Lord said, No, I don't want you to go there. And so that night he had a he he had a dream he had a vision uh, whereby he received what we call the Macedonian call and he was called into Macedonia and the first place he went to was the city of Philippi So Paul and Silas were very instrumental I believe Timothy was probably with them and and they were very instrumental in the establishing of the church of Philippi but if you go to Acts chapter 16 where he recounts the events that took place, how did the church get established? First of all, he, met, uh, he went out to the river and he met with the, the people who had gathered on the Sabbath uh, to worship there, which was the custom if you didn't have a synagogue in your city in that day, you would meet by the river. And so Paul went out to the river and of course he met Lydia, the seller of purple. And uh, as he fellowshiped and as he presented the gospel to those people that day, Lydia got saved, her whole household got saved, and and they were all baptized, and and they went on and started their their work from that point. The next thing that happened was, was the demon-possessed girl. Now she was going around saying this is the servants of the most high god and, and you know saying things that probably we would say hey i wish somebody would tell us go out and you know go through all of Johnstown and say hey we're the servants of the most high god here at new covenant Baptist, uh, new covenant church right but it got under paul's uh, she wasn't really uh, promoting paul the devil she was demon possessed and and it became an annoyance and to the fact that Paul then cast the demon out of her. And what did that cause? That caused an uproar. Those people were making money off of her, so they take him before the city and they throw him in jail. And so here they are, they're the first week of ministry, you know, they're thrown in jail. And so he and Silas are there in the jail, and, and what do they do? Oh, poor me. Why should this happen to me? You know, that I'm trying to do God's work and, and here I am in jail. No. Paul and Silas were singing and praising God till midnight. And then an earthquake happened and all the doors of the jail opened up and and, uh, the jailer who uh, knew that he would be held accountable for the prisoners being released, uh, he he was about to kill himself and, and Paul said, hold up, hold up. And he began then to tell this man how he could be saved and the Bible tells us there in Acts chapter 16 that, that the jailer and his whole family were saved and baptized and became a part of that church. Now that's not the way we, we envision starting churches, right? Conflict. And Paul was uh, acquainted with uh, conflict. After he uh, finished his second missionary journey, he went back uh, to Jerusalem and reported. And then he went on a third missionary journey. At the end of that third missionary journey uh he uh went back to Jerusalem and there he went into the temple to fulfill a vow and you know the story is is that he was arrested and and, uh, and eventually uh they was out to destroy Paul Paul dealt with conflict and opposition from the very start of his ministry, and all throughout his ministry, he knew what it was to suffer. He knew what it was to be opposed, and, and he, all the circumstances and things that happened in his life would cause most of us to just quit. But Paul didn't quit. As a matter of factly, if you read over in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians in chapter eleven. Uh, uh, just in, in verses 22 says, uh, uh, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am uh, more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often from the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day have I been in a date, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, blah, blah. And it goes on and on. What a life, right? The life of the minister, you know, the, the missionary. It's an easy life, right? No, it was filled with opposition and difficulty. And the result of that was, of course, after uh, he was uh, there in Jerusalem, he eventually ended up going to Rome. He was sent to Rome there to be tried for being a Christian. His faith was at stake, right? That was what he was being, uh, because the Jews disliked the fact that Paul was preaching Jesus Christ to the Jews and Gentiles alike, that they were all acceptable uh, unto God. And so when he got there, of course, uh, he was in the prison uh, for a period of time, and, and was constantly uh, locked to a, to a guard, and and, uh, and and had to give a defense of himself to the uh, of uh, of his faith. Now I say all this to say that as he wrote this letter back to the Philippians, with all the circumstances, and they must have felt that Paul really could use some encouragement. And I'm sure he appreciated it, but Paul writes back, and in this first chapter particularly, he talks about the the, the thing that that people need to to do uh, if they're going to have joy in the in the matters of of circumstances and situations that that are so oppressive and so difficult is is he says that we got to have a focus, and in this first chapter he tells them. If their focus is on the right thing, they can have the joy that he had because that was his focus that got him through these difficult situations that he faced. And so, in this first chapter, he talks about the, the thing that we need to be focused on, and I would say this is very applicable to the church in this day and age, is, is that we need to be focused on the gospel. Six times in this first chapter, Paul mentions the gospel. And I want to speak to you about three things this morning uh, that, that Paul saw that, that if our focus is on the gospel and these things, that we can still experience joy. And so there in, first, uh, uh, in the epistle of Philippians chapter 1, beginning of verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with all the affection of, of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are be, uh, by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. First of all, he says, we need to be focused on the fellowship of the gospel, the fellowship of the gospel. What is fellowship? That's an interesting word, you know. In most of our churches today, when we talk about fellowship, that means we need to get our 9 by 13 baking pan out, we need to make a casserole, and we need to meet it to church, right? So we can have fellowship. Well, that's fellowship, you know. Uh, you know, uh, first fellowship might be meeting up with a buddy and going out to the golf course and playing golf. I don't play golf, so that wouldn't be much fun for me. I'd probably be aggravated throwing my my clubs in the water or somewhere. But, uh, but you know, fellowship's a lot of things. Let me give you, now this is a profound. You might want to write this down. Here's my definition of fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship. <laughs> Two fellows... In the same ship, you know, and and it's important if you if you've ever been out in a in a boat or uh, you know and, and and there's two of you in there, it's important that you be together and in unity and in unison. You know, could you imagine going out? You know, I've gone out in canoes and many times with with another person. And we can. Can you imagine if if you're not in unison and you're not working together, what happens? You can go in circles. You can you can go extremely left, extremely right backwards, forth. you can go all over the place, but not where you want to go. But we need to have, a, we need to be focusing on the fellowship of the gospel. That means that there's a, there, there's a cooperation. Paul talks about here as he goes in, and I would love to, you know, take about six weeks and go through this whole first chapter because there's so much here. But, but basically, Paul was saying, every time I think of you, it brings a smile it's it's sort of like what i said every every time i you know I, i'm not a real big social media person but i i look through facebook every once in a while and, and every time i see uh, you know uh little daisy and and, and ben, uh, you know it, it brings a smile to my face why because of our every time they come to my mind it brings joy to me because of and it, it's all because of the fellowship Our relationship, and our relationship is based upon the gospel. Paul had a relationship with these people, and and every time he thought of them, it brought joy because his focus was is he was not in this battle alone. He didn't have to worry about the circumstances. He was worried about let's work together for the cause of getting the gospel out to every creature in the world. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the first few verses says the gospel is, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And my friends, that's what the world needs today. Is it needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need churches and we need believers everywhere standing and, and, and realizing that we're working together to get the gospel of Christ out to a lost and dying world you know my friends we're not in competition with other uh, churches we're in competition with the devil that's our enemy that's the one that we need to uh, to be concerned about it, you know and i know there's churches out there by name that are not they're not preaching a gospel they're not preaching that christ is the only way of salvation but but there's a lot of other churches that are not like us that are you remember when they, the disciples, came to Jesus and and said, "Well, they're not, they're they're not uh, going the same way we're going." And He says, "Well, if they're not against us, they're for us." Now that's my interpretation. You know, it's not exactly the way it's written, but that's my interpretation. If they're not uh, against us, they're they're with us. Amen. And that's what the world needs today. It needs Christians all over the world in every community coming together and being concerned about people's salvation. We have people in our families. We have people in our workplaces. We have people all around us at all times that what their greatest need is Jesus Christ. They'll talk to you about the weather. They'll talk to you about politics and all the things that's going wrong. And what they need is they need to hear about Jesus Christ. Great Sunday school lesson this morning we had with the adult class here this morning about some of the, the, you know, Transgender and the, the things that are going on in our world today, and my friends, those uh, those things, if we let them, will overcome us. But what those people need, regardless of who they are, is Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate bottom line of what people uh, need, and so uh, we need to have that uh, that joy will come when we're participating and cooperating in the presentation of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ to other people. You know, I, I can make mention some names this morning. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, I could, I, my wife would get this, rest of you wouldn't. If I said the name Paul Hicks, that wouldn't mean anything to you. But when I think of that name, there's joy that comes to my heart. Cause Paul was one of, one of the first men that we won to Christ. When I was uh, starting a, a ministry in Mansfield, Massachusetts, there wasn't many Baptist churches in Massachusetts at that time, and and the ones that were were not preaching the gospel. And so, but but, but why does that bring joy to my my heart? Because we, we was able to lead this man to Christ, and and we many times went out and and, and knocked on doors and visited and did why because we wanted to cooperate in getting the gospel out to the community that where we were trying to establish a, a church for the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and so he got his joy because he focused on the gospel and 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 other believers cooperating with him in the presentation of the gospel rather than a bond the the prison sale the food that he was, you know, being asked to eat, or or anything else that may have not been as uh, as he would have desired it uh, to be, and so we are not alone in this battle. Remember that. You know, when it thinks like it looks like that things are not going the way we want them to go, just remember we're not in this alone. We don't. Uh, we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But we cannot do it alone, amen? We need to be a part of a fellowship of believers who are presenting the gospel uh, to Jesus Christ. There's people that you will meet, people that are in your circle of influence that nobody else may ever have the opportunity to present the gospel to other than yourself. And that's why it's important that we understand, you know, yes, I might not reach that person. And, and that would grieve my heart to think that somebody uh, uh, passed out into eternity uh, because I failed to uh, to present the gospel to them. But we cannot be responsible for every person. We've got to be responsible to every person God places within our opportunity to and realize that there there's a need for others to be involved as well. We need the fellowship of the gospel. And Paul, uh, he, he said, every time you, you come to my mind, he says, and you're in my heart. You know, we need to love people. And what else did he do? He says, and I'm praying for you. Paul opens most of his epistles with a prayer. You know, and and, and uh, I recently have been teaching uh, in our, our prayer meeting on... on uh, on, on prayer. And I think so many times, um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, but we pray for the we pray for the 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 uh the condition rather than the cause. You notice when Paul prays for it's a good study to study the prayers of Paul for in the epistles that he wrote. He he prayed that people would basically, the main thing he was concerned is, is if your relationship was was right with Jesus Christ, many of the other problems you're facing will go away. And so our focus for praying for fellow believers is is for their spiritual development and relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul uh, had these people in his thoughts and in his prayers was. Was constant, and that brought him joy because even though he was uh, set in a prison cell, chained to a, to one of the Praetorium guards, uh, he uh, had other believers that he had brought to Christ who were fellowshipping and working with him to carry the gospel into the regions of of all the world uh, around him. And so, there, the, our focus needs to be on the fellowship of the gospel don't leave it for the pastor or the or the leaders of uh, within the church to be the ones you know that are responsible uh, for for getting the gospel out to every person it's every person's responsibility and if and individuals in the church were focused on that then we will be able to accomplish that which Christ wants to do in this community for the lord jesus christ to winning the people can it be done yes it can be done but it takes a commitment and unity and involvement of everybody got to be the two fellows in that ship that are that are rowing together to to get to the destination if our focus is on that we're not focusing on all of the problems uh that that come uh into our world today and then there in verse 12 he goes on and talks about the gospel and and, and another thing that brought him joy he says, uh, in verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And so not only needs, there, does there need to be a fellowship of the gospel, there needs to be a furtherance of the gospel. The gospel needs to go. What, what is the great commission Jesus gave uh, the disciples in Matthew 28? It's in all nations, right? In Acts 1.8, the whole world is to start in their Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus, in Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The world is a destination. And my friends, if the gospel stops here and never goes beyond the four walls of our building, then... We're not accomplishing the goal and the, the, the mission. And we will not be, uh, ex, as excited as we ought to be. We'll not have that joy unless we're accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. And that is, is that every person throughout the world hear the gospel. There needs to be a furtherance of the gospel. You know, you can look at Paul's situation, all the things. You know, but he, can you imagine? Now, the way he was guarded was as he would be guarded by a roman guard in 6 hour segments throughout the day could you imagine what it was like for those guys to set with paul i bet you when it came up for assignments you know who's going to be chained to paul today you know i bet they was was drawing straws to see who could not <laughs> do that. Because what was Paul doing? Paul was preaching, Paul was writing, Paul was praying, Paul was witnessing, Paul was involved in the, the He didn't care that he was, was chained to that guard. He was concerned in getting the gospel to continue on. Yeah, he wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but he went as a prisoner. But it didn't stop him from preaching. The, it happened, he said, all these things happened for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's what we need to understand today is there needs to be a furtherance of the gospel. His chains gave him an opportunity to to preach the gospel to people that he would have never had the opportunity to. Like I say, he desired to go to Rome. It wasn't exactly the way he wanted, but it resulted in the same thing that he went there and people heard the gospel. And so, uh, and not only that, but Caesar's court, those that were were responsible for trying Paul, had to listen to Paul's doctrine and his faith and his testimony over and over again as they tried to dispute and tried to disprove that, that something was wrong that he was worthy of death of. But it was all, could you imagine Paul saying, you know, like he did with uh, uh, with Berdis and others, and he said, most gladly will I tell you. He, I'll gladly defend my faith. I'll gladly tell you what Christ means to me because that's how the gospel will continue to go from Rome and, and, and just like it did with the Philippian jailer and others, the gospel went there and it continues to progress. There needs to be, our focus needs to be on furthering the gospel. He was chained. He thought, and some people might have thought that that would limit him, but he said it's, it's really for the furtherance of the gospel. Other people that have been chained in, in uh, situations, you think of Susan Wesley. People say here, she was, you know, a wife, you know, she was raising uh, two boys and, 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 you know, and she was tied down to her home and stuff. And what can I do for the Lord because I'm just so tied down? In other words, it's like chains. But we know that there was two boys, John and Charles Wesley, that she raised and became two of the great evangelists that had a great impact on the gospel being furthered into regions throughout the world. And so don't look at your circumstances and say, oh, you know, I, I can't really do much to further the gospel. Everybody has an opportunity to be involved in the furtherance of the gospel. Think of Fanny Crosby. Blind. What can a blind person do? Well, write tremendous gospel hymns. Amen? And so, don't look at your situation, your circumstances and saying, Oh, I'm, I'm bogged down. I'm chained down. I can't, I can't be involved in this. We can all be involved. Amen? In the work of spreading the gospel and, and furthering it throughout uh, the world. And so, his chains he used. And then his critics. It tells us in verses 15 to down through verse 19 that, that he, he said, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice and will rejoice. Now he said when he went there to Rome, there was, they was people that was for Paul, and there was people, there was Christians and Jews that were against Paul. But they still, uh, as believers, they, they believed in the same gospel. And he says some of them are out there preaching out of contention. They're trying to add affliction to me. They're trying to, uh, to because as I stand to defend my faith and defend the, the gospel going to the Gentiles and everybody being able to be saved throughout the whole world, he says there's some of them that don't agree with me, but, rather, but they're still out there preaching the gospel, and I'll rejoice in that because the gospel's being preached. The gospel's being furthered. So the the people can criticize you, uh, uh, but don't uh, don't stop. Keep keep preaching. They may uh, come to the same point of understanding the need to present the gospel as well. And so, uh, you know, we have many critics, and we have many people that disagree with us. The story is told that of John Wesley and George Whitfield, who were two great preachers, and. And how that uh, uh, these two men had very differing doctrinal views about a lot of different things. And so one day a, a man asked John Wesley said, uh, "John, do you think you'll see George in heaven?" And he said, "No." He said, "George Whitfield. Is so much a better man than me, he'll be so much closer to Christ than I that I'll never be able to see him." So he he said, I won't see him in heaven, but he wasn't saying he won't be in heaven. You know our critics, people that differ with us in some, some views, as long as people are preaching the gospel, as I said, there's other churches out there uh, today that, that we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to agree with them doctrinally on, on a lot of different things. But if they're preaching Christ, that He's the way of salvation, uh, and the only way of salvation, let's not hold them back. I was raised, uh, born in Huntington, West Virginia, raised in southern Ohio. And I attended and was saved in an Evangelical United Brethren Church. Now that's a little bit different than the Baptist I became. But that little church still in existence today probably has 20 people come to the services. 30 would be a great, great day. It's been that way for years. It's the same thing. And, and every year in June they have a homecoming. And they invite people to come that have been in the church before. and And, you know... Nine out of ten years, they've asked me to come back and preach uh, at the homecoming. Now, we have a lot of differences, uh, you know, things that, that, that I would not be in agreement with with them on. Uh, but, you know, they allow me. They've never restricted me. I go in there and I preach the gospel, and it's the same gospel that they believe in. So, I'm not going to criticize Uh, You know, because they're going to reach some people there that I'll never reach. Don't let your critics hinder you realizing they're a part of the plan and purpose of God to reach this world and all uh, that it might go out into all the world and be be furthered. His uh, critics, uh, he was concerned that Christ was magnified. That was what he was concerned about. And then the last thing not only uh do we need to be concerned about the fellowship of the gospel and focus on the faith of the gospel but we also need to uh uh to focus on the faith of the gospel. In the last part of this first chapter uh <coughs> he uh tells them uh there in in verse 27 uh, he says only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. The faith of the gospel. He was telling them that they needed to focus on the faith of the gospel. And that, the faith uh, is the embodiment of truth that's delivered to the saints. Jude 3 tells, uh, tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. And, and uh, Paul said that, uh, that uh, in first, Second Timothy 4, 1, That uh, uh, that there would be days when people would depart from the faith. It was committed to Paul. He said, "committed to other people." Paul's concern was that the gospel be furthered, but he says we must be careful that we stand for the faith of the gospel, that we defend the faith of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. There's a lot of people out there that are, that are so-called gospel presenters or, uh, and they're not really preaching the, the gospel. The gospel, as I said, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what people need to be, uh, need in order to be saved. Amen? They need the gospel. And any time people come in and substitute the gospel of Christ with another gospel, uh, then we must beware of those people. We must defend. We must stand for the truth of the gospel. There's a lot of things that the world is doing to try to destroy the the truth of the gospel. I'm fearful today, and I say it because of, of testimonies I've heard I'm fearful today that there's people in our churches that, that, uh, that I, I would question their salvation. Now you say, you're not supposed to do that. Well, I know that, but I, I can't help it. But when they tell me how they came to Christ, my friends, let me just be clear with you. If it's not based upon receiving the forgiveness of sins because Christ died on the cross shed His blood to cleanse you of your sins, and that you by faith receive that forgiveness of sins uh, and are born again into His family, you are not saved. But people today, you know, oh, I, I, I was raised in a Christian home, you know, and so I've always believed. Well, that's good that you believe, but have you confessed? Have you accepted the forgiveness of sin? I don't care how good your family is. Every person is born a sinner and in need of salvation. And I've had people tell me, make statements like that. Well, I was, I was, I've always been saved. No, you wasn't always saved. Well, I love God. Well, great, I'm glad you love God but that's not enough to get you saved. Well, I go to church and, and I do the best I can. Well, that's not good enough. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We need a salvation that's based upon the truth. And that's why Paul said, if you want to be have joy you've got to defend the faith. Amen? The faith of the gospel. Now, I know the gospel is only one part of our faith, but we need to defend it extremely well because the enemies, of the world, wants to bring in all these other things uh, you know, and say, you know, well, you, can, you can be saved and still be this or that. Well, I don't know. Salvation's not based upon what we do, except of what we do with the gospel. Have you trusted in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he shed his blood on that old rugged cross for, your, for you to have forgiveness of sins? And by faith asking him, he said, "Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord?" shall be saved he will no wise cast out anybody that comes to him but my friends let me tell you he says there's two ways into him. one's narrow and one's broad one leads to heaven and the other leads to destruction and he will not just say oh well i know you did the best you could so okay go ahead we'll let you into eternity because you tried no it's not basic there's two ways Jesus' ways, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Only one way. And we need to defend that truth because there's a lot of uh, so-called Christianity out there today that would tell you you don't need to put your faith and trust in the, and, and ask for the forgiveness of your sin in order to be saved you know, churches and TV evangelists are out there and they're, they're filling auditoriums, but they're leading people astray. And my friends, I'd hate to be there in the day of judgment for those that are telling people the wrong way to get to heaven. Amen? And so we need to, uh, to have the, the, the fellowship of the gospel, focus on the furtherance of the gospel, focus on the faith of the gospel, and if our focus is on the gospel, my friends, we'll see people coming to Christ, we'll see people's lives changed, and we'll see people overcoming sin in their life, and this will bring the joy that is missing in so many of our lives today where we're trying to find it in, in activities and events and things instead of finding it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's your focus today? And most of all, I'd like to know what what is your definition of the gospel. What's your relationship with Jesus Christ to the gospel? Have you been born again? Jesus didn't make no bones about it when the religious man came to him and said, uh, you know, and he said to him simply, he said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And then he went on and explained how he could be born again. And if you study the life of, of Nicodemus, I believe later in his life, he came to Christ. And uh, we don't have time to go into that. But, but, uh, but my friends, today, we need to, like Jesus, say, you must be born again. And you do that by believing and accepting the gospel. Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If not, we would encourage you to come today and, and put your faith and trust in Christ. Pastor will be here. I'll be here. There's many others I'm sure that could, could share with you how you can receive Christ into your life today. Maybe you're here and, and, and you sense that need and you have difficulty coming. Ask the person next to you to come with you. Or, or uh, least of all, accept Christ where you are. Ask him if you believe. Ask him to be, come into your life and to be your savior. And, and then maybe there's some Christians here that uh, we need to get uh, more engaged in the furtherance and the fellowship of the gospel. That we might be participants in getting the message out to the rest of the world that needs to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as we prepare to give an invitation this morning? I'll be here, Brother Ben's here, and I'm sure there's others that would be happy to to help you this morning. Maybe you have something that's burdening your heart today, and you just need to come and kneel at these altars you know, uh, come to the altar, just pray and ask God for, for whatever is burdening and, and, and challenging your life today. Would you be willing to do that? Let's pray together. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would work in the hearts of each one of us, Lord, that we would be submissive to your will. And Lord, if there's someone here that needs to know Christ as Savior, help them to have the courage to step out and come and receive the greatest gift that they'll ever receive, the gift of eternal life. And others that are in burden or need today, help them to come. We pray in Jesus' name and amen. As we sing, would you come?